0: Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and Lord, we ask you to help us. Help us to remember the sacrifices that have been made on our behalf. Help us to remember the love that was put into action through sacrifice. Help us to remember the courage and the bravery of those who have heard your truth have heard you say greater love has no man than this than he who would lay down his life for another. Lord, thank you for those who have given of that gift, that they have laid down their life physically, completely, wholly, so that we might enjoy freedom to worship you this morning. <laughs> Lord though we are not here in this room, we truly believe we are free to worship you. It is not about our feelings or the constraints that we are under with the world we live in with this pandemic, but Lord, it is about the freedom we have to, to worship you without fear of reprisal or, or, or enslavement Amen. or imprisonment. We are free to worship you because of the, the sacrifice, the complete and whole sacrifice of others who have fought for our freedom, and we thank you for that, Lord, that we can come here with hearts that are free to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, help us. I hold my hands out openly because, Lord, I'm asking, help us to remember the, the depth and the magnitude of love that's been poured out for us. Help us to remember the love which we have first seen in Christ on the cross. His death that we might live in the freedom of the kingdom of Jesus. Help us to remember this morning. Help us to remember in the midst of our grieving and sadness as we remember those who have given and made the ultimate sacrifice As we mourn their loss, as we remember them, help us to remember that your love is steadfast and faithful, ever present to us, that we have hope in you. Help us to remember, Lord, we ask today, that you are faithful, that we have hope in you, that this world is not the end, but that you are creating and building up a kingdom where there will be no more war, there will be no more strife, there will be peace, there will be shalom, there will be a, a, a peace in Jesus Christ that we will walk in just as Adam and Eve walked in the peace of the Garden of Eden before sin. Lord, help us to hope in that and to find strength in that this morning. Whatever circumstances we face, whether it's relational strife or, or physical questions of our future, Help us to remember, we pray, Lord, and find our hope and our strength in you, Jesus, the one we've come to worship this morning. So Lord, help us to remember and worship in this freedom, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
1: see you glow
2: this morning i'm robert this is my wife kimby and our little daughter ruby she was born this month on the 13th so she's a week and like a day and a half old um yeah we just wanted to introduce her to you a little bit and read a scripture for you this morning we we'll be reading from romans 12 verses 3 through 8 for by the grace given to me i tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have given we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service in service, if teaching in teaching, if exhorting in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Thank you and welcome.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, Ruby, for allowing your parents to join you as you shared the scriptures with us this morning. We're thankful to see their faces as well, but it was really your face that we wanted to see as we heard the scriptures read for us this morning. Let me pray as we give God thanks for his word. Lord, we are reminded this morning of the new life that we have in Jesus Christ, the, the life that your word brings to us. Ruby is a great example of that. We thank you for the life you bring through children in our lives and, and for the joy that they bring and the, the reminder, Lord, of just our need for you to, to be held in your hands. Lord, we thank you for the way that you spoke through Paul this morning, through the reading that Robert read for us from Romans chapter 12. Lord, bless us with your word this morning. May it challenge us, encourage us, strengthen us, uh, convict us, Lord, in places where we need conviction. And strengthen us to walk in faith with Jesus day in and day out. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for your word this morning. May it have its way in us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are in the second Sunday of a series we're calling Equipping. And it's not equipped. It's not complete. It's not a past tense thing. But it's, it's this idea that God is doing this ongoing work of equipping us for his purpose. Now, it's important to me this morning and always for each and every one of you to know that for those of us in Christ Jesus, you have been created for a purpose, that that you are uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I want you to keep that in mind. That this is not an ideal for others as they're sitting in the pews, whether it's my family over here or Tim and Susan over here or, or, or Miss Donna in the back waiting for the kids to be dismissed for Sunday school. It's a reality for each and every one of us. Even for our children, as they put their faith in Christ, we recognize that we've been created for a purpose. And God is equipping each and every one of us. He's meeting us where we're at, and he's bringing us along into his purposes for his kingdom. We have been created for a purpose, but coming to know that purpose isn't so easy. Right? We, there's a wealth of information out there that will help us on this adventure of self-discovery, of seeking out our purpose. But finding your purpose in Christ is anything but self-discovery. It, it, it's a, a journey of listening to God and leaning into what he has for us. And what's interesting about that is that's very different from the world we live in. That celebrates this idea that, 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 that we, are, we are our own masters. We're the masters of our own uh, destiny, our own fate. We're, we're, we're called to go and figure out your future, to go on this journey of self-discovery. But true discovery is anything but found in ourselves. I believe that as we come to understand that we've been created by God, that we've been created for a purpose, the only place we're going to hear that purpose is in our relationship with Jesus. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is found in John 10, 10. And in this passage, Jesus tells his listeners that he's come to bring us life, but not just life, but abundant life life overflowing, rich life. And I'm not talking about having lots of things from this world, having a nice car and a house and, and spacious yard where the kids can play safely. It's not about that kind of life. It's a life in relationship to Jesus because what Jesus goes on to say as he talks about this abundant life, he talks about the fact that he's a shepherd and we are his sheep. Well, what's a shepherd do? A shepherd guides the sheep. He leads them to a place where they can eat. He, he, he leads them beside quiet waters. He protects them from wolves and, and, and other uh, predators. He gives them a place to rest and lay down. A, a shepherd is a, a leader, a guider, a provider, a protector. Well, what are the sheep? The sheep eat. They sleep. They, they receive the protection that God provides them. or The shepherd provides them we are we're sheep and the abundant life we have is only found in relationship to our shepherd. So this morning if you're asking questions about what is my purpose in this world? What is what is my value, my significance? Let me just encourage you. Let me encourage you to practice faith, to trust that there is one that loves you, that has a purpose for your life and that invites you to explore that purpose in relationship with him. He's saying, hey, take my hand and come with me. Let me show you this life that I promise, this abundant life. And so by the end of this week, I hope that you'll have thought about this more. I hope that we're bringing the conversation beyond our time on Sunday morning together in worship and in, in exploring God's word and expositing God's word, drawing from God's word the truth that he's proclaimed, I hope we carry this conversation beyond Sunday morning and into the rest of our week, into the conversations with our family, our friends, and into our conversations we're having with God because I truly hope that you are spending time talking with God, listening for him, and engaging what he has to say. And so bring this conversation out into your week. This past week we released a, a, we put a, a podcast online for you to listen to and the podcast is not meant to just give you more time to listen to two people talking, but, but it's a, a time to let you see a conversation around the gospel. Maybe spark some conversation or some thoughts in your own life to, to have with other people in your world, to keep thinking on things. Because as we're going to look at this morning, our transformation happens through the renewal of our minds a new way of thinking about this world in our own lives, a way of thinking about this world through the lenses of Jesus Christ. And so, this morning, I want us to understand that when Jesus offers us an abundant life, he's not trying to sell us some pill that will offer us forgiveness. He's not saying, hey, take these vitamins, Dan, and you're gonna be reconciled to God. You're gonna gonna be in a right standing with God again. Now, Jesus offers us a way into a new life, a way of following him, of seeing the world like him. Not as an us versus them, but as the object of God's love that God has sent Jesus into this world to rescue and redeem them. And he's inviting us to come along with him. So you were created for a purpose. And actually in our passage Romans 12 the couple of verses just before that Paul talks a little bit about this purpose. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. He says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You're going to understand the will of God. You're going to understand your purpose as you live into this relationship with Jesus. It's not a matter of flipping to a page in a textbook and saying, oh, there's my purpose. It's a matter of realizing it in relationship with Jesus. We have documents, we have teachings of the church throughout history that tell us a little bit about our purpose, right? I think it's in the Westminster Catechism, it says that, that we, are, we are here to, our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? Paul says elsewhere that, that, that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, in other words, our purpose is to look and live and love like Jesus, to think like Jesus in this new way of being a human, right? But those are all uh, different ways of saying that our purpose is to glorify God, to, to become made in his image, to glorify him, to, to reflect him in the way that we live our lives and invest our resources and care about the world which he's created. Paul from a 10,000 foot level looking down is describing our purpose as being transformed into this new life in God in Jesus' kingdom where where Jesus is king. But that process of understanding that that, that purpose we have, that that transformation process is something that takes time. It's it's why we're, we're talking about equipping and not being equipped or having been complete. We are... In the process of equipping or being equipped by God. See, Christianity isn't some religion about dead doctrines that we look back at and celebrate, and then, you know, we we kind of pull off the the bookshelf, look at, and say, yeah, we believe that, and put it back on the bookshelf. Christianity is a a way of being, of becoming where we are these living beings that that live in the ways of Jesus, that that walk out the truth that he proclaimed, that that live in the life of Jesus. We draw our strength from Jesus. We, We draw our wisdom and our guidance and our discernment from Jesus. It's about being transformed into this new way of life. And as I mentioned a little while ago, this is a work that we rely on Jesus to do. We trust him to do in us. Paul says in verse 3 of our passage, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, what I believe and I, I trust and know Paul is talking about here is our spiritual gifts. Right When he says, for by the grace, he's saying, by the gift given to me, I say to everyone, Paul was given the gift of preaching and evangelism and, 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 and being this voice in the church. And so he stands before them speaking this gift that, from this gift that everyone among us must not think more highly than we ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. And he says, each according to the measure of faith, each according to the measure of the spiritual gift that God has assigned us. Let me just say that I think there are a couple of things that we should draw our attention to in this this verse here. First of all, I think we need to understand that it's God who is doing the equipping with people's spiritual gifts, right? I mean, I know we we, uh, talked briefly about this on the podcast last week. I imagine this will be a part of our conversations going forward, but when it comes to spiritual gifts, there is such a thing as spiritual gift envy, Right, where we wish we had that person's gift or you know, we, we kind of feel bad that that person doesn't have a better gift or you know, whatever it would be. We compare ourselves and you know, we're, we're, we risk thinking more highly of ourselves or less of other people. And so I think it's important for us to keep in mind throughout all this that, that it's God who equips us, not just gives us these gifts, but builds these gifts in us. And builds them up with a, with, toward his purpose, accomplishing his purpose of building the kingdom of God. And, and so secondly, I think that it's important for us to know that a right view of our spiritual gifts results in a proper view of ourselves. Results in a proper discovery of who we are in Christ. This is important to pay attention to. See, in the world we live in, it, it's our expectation that, that we're the ones that are doing the equipping. I stayed up late studying for that math test. I stayed up late preparing for the sales pitch that I've got at the meeting tomorrow. I was the one that put that spreadsheet together, that, that PowerPoint presentation. I'm the one who's working insane hours during tax season. My company should appreciate my hard work. You see, we, we think we're the ones that do the, the hard work of intense workouts so that my body can look like it does. By the way, the camera adds 10 pounds from what I'm told, so that, that illustration actually lands well if you're in the room with me. See, we, we think about how we are equipping ourselves in the sense that we deserve the credit. But in reality, that's not what the gospel tells me. See, the gospel tells me something different. When I first put my trust in Jesus, when I first entered into a relationship with him, when I entered into this new life with Jesus, I stood in a place where on one hand, I saw my own sin and my own sinfulness. And on the other hand, I saw God's righteousness. And the thing that brought them together was Jesus's death and resurrection, right? His, his crucifixion on the cross, the curse he, he bore on my behalf on that cross, That's what what allowed God to buy me back from a life of sin. And so on either side of this, I have my sinfulness and God's holiness, and what stands between us is the cross of Christ. But as I grew in faith, you would expect me to think that I would notice how good I'm becoming, right? That God is transforming, me. man, look how much better my life is, and I focus on that, and to some degree, that's true. We're able to look back and give God thanks for the ways that he's transforming our lives, but there's a dialogue that's happening underneath the surface of our lives that we need to pay attention to, because as I grew in my faith, I expected to see how good I was becoming, but the reality was that I began to see more clearly how holy and righteous God was and how sinful and inadequate I was to achieve his forgiveness, to accept his love. That gap, I, I began to notice, between myself and God became broader and broader. But as it did, the cross of Christ the sacrifice he made on my behalf became bigger and bigger and bigger. And I began to appreciate even more the fact that Jesus died on my behalf. And so I began to understand that the gospel, and by the way, it sounds like I'm beating myself up here, but I'm not. Because what I began to understand, a greater understanding of the gospel is that as we grow in Christ, we understand how sinful we are, but that doesn't mean that we're we're thinking less of ourselves or beating ourselves up. It means we're growing in appreciation and gratitude for Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. See, I think left to our own devices, living in our own power, uh, relying on ourselves to equip ourselves to be strengthened, to face what life is going to throw at us, when we live in that place, we pretend. We're, we're faced with the reality that we're not as good as we would have wanted ourselves to be. And so when we find ourselves in situations with other people, we or or even actually a dialogue with ourselves, we pretend that we're better than we really are. And we allow ourselves to believe it's true. We do that or or we allow ourselves to get into this pattern, stuck in, in this pattern of living our lives, feeling that if we perform better that will be worthy of God's love and acceptance. And so it's just a matter of trying harder, of believing better, of worshiping louder and stronger, of serving more. And then maybe God will look upon me with love and grace and forgiveness. But neither of those things, pretending or performing, are true in light of the gospel. Neither of those are are true in what we should truly find comfort in because as you understand how holy and great God is and how much of a sinner you are, we see that the cross becomes bigger and bigger in reconciling and fixing and uniting us together with God. This has made me more thankful for the cross today than I was yesterday. Does that make sense? Do, do, do Do you understand where I'm going with that? that we understand our own limitations as we grow. It's not about growing and seeing a more fruitful tree. It's growing and seeing more fruit on the tree, but understanding that it's not because of me that that fruit is there. Each day is an invitation in this new life to relinquish our control over our life and to entrust ourselves and our gifts into his hands. And trust that he's going to do what he desires to do. And so in the context of spiritual gifts, what this means is that there's something, there's not something particularly wonderful about me because I'm a pastor or a preacher. Right? God gave me the gift to shepherd. God gave me the gift to preach. And there's no reason why I should be held to a higher standard or put on a pedestal as opposed to any other gift within the church. And not only that but it's the gift it's not me God gave me the gift going to seminary and learning how to use it yeah it was helpful but these gifts came from God and they're to be used for his purposes so without without entrusting those gifts to God without really looking to him for guidance looking to him to use them with, without noticing God using those gifts it's meaningless it's empty it, it, it's an exercise in vanity It's an exercise in me standing up here saying, hey, everyone, look at me. Look how good I am. That's not the way it works with spiritual gifts. God has not given us spiritual gifts to turn us into some sort of spiritual superstar where everyone should admire us and look up to us. God has given us spiritual gifts to be used by him for his purposes. We're just tools, tools in his hand. If you want to hear more about that, I encourage you, listen to the podcast later on this week because we're going to talk a little bit more about this. See, In the context of of our spiritual gifts, what we need to understand is that a proper view of my spiritual gifts should leave me feeling thankful to God and dependent upon him as I exercise them, not dependent upon myself. A proper view of our spiritual gifts helps us to have a proper view of ourselves in light of who God is. See, spiritual gifts, they come from God. They're empowered by God, and they're used for his purposes, even as we talked about last week. But how is it that our gift is called to function to unify that church, right? If God's purpose for for spiritual gifts is to to help us grow in maturity and to unify the church, how do those gifts function to unify the church? Listen to verses 4 and 5 of the passage this morning. Paul says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. See, when our different gifts work together in cooperation for the same purpose, the church is unified. So hear me say this. Different... It's not bad. Different is good. Different is what God wants. God celebrates our differences in working together as one. Right? This was something Clayton and I were discussing this past week during the, the TBC Provoke podcast. We, we talked about our relationship, and actually, uh, we, we talked about how before Clayton came on board, before he joined us here in ministry, I, I had this view that I thought the best way for us to pursue the, the vision and, and mission that God was putting on my heart and mind was to find someone who thought like me, who, who believed like me, who, 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 well, I shouldn't say but we do believe the same things. We believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, but, but who was just like me. I thought we had to find another pastor of worship that was very similar to Dan. But but when we brought Clayton on, God opened my eyes to see how his church really works. God wanted to put someone in place who had different gifts than me, who who would allow me to compliment them and they compliment me in cooperating together for the gospel. See, what I've come to learn through my time with Clayton is God has done something to encourage me, to sharpen me, to to give me a greater picture of God's vision for the church because, because Clayton is different than me. See, I think there is such a thing as unity in diversity. And I think that needs to be our goal. Not that we would all tolerate our differences and let all of us live in different corners, but tolerate the differences as we pursue unity together around the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's an important dynamic to pursue. See, I'm so thankful for Clayton and appreciative of his gifts, but that's, that's not typically how we operate. That's not how I operate. And I didn't even realize it, to be honest with you. God took the time to reveal some of these, these things that I believe that I don't think were wholly accurate and he sharpened me. He shaped me through my relationship with a brother in Christ in the work of the gospel. See, we typically like to hang around people that we relate to. We typically like to spend time with those who share our sense of humor. I mean, you look at our culture and, and there are pockets of diversity, but, but wholly, like we, we, we really don't spend our times in diversity of thoughts and ideas and ways of speaking and senses of humors and 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 there's so much to this but but we tend to think what this leads to is we tend to think that everyone should be more like us right you spend enough time with people very similar to you you tend to think that reality looks a lot like this right but in fact in some unspoken ways what we're actually doing is holding others to some ideal that's not true, that's not ideal, that, uh, a God's ideal. See, we, we hold them to this ideal of, of asking them, expecting them to conform to us. <laughs> but the gospel doesn't call us to conform to Dan. No, it calls us to be conformed to the image of Jesus, who's, who's really the best of all of us and best of, of, of all of who we've been shaped after, Right? God takes very different people with different gifts, different experiences, different backgrounds, and brings them together in unity around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that includes different spiritual gifts. Imagine how boring and inefficient the church would be if all of us shared the same spiritual gift. A healthy body doesn't have 15 arms and no eyes, right? We may be able to walk long distances with 25 sets of feet. We may get places a lot quicker with 25 sets of feet, but if we've got no upper body, then when we get to where we're going, we won't be able to do anything. Think about the example of the assembly line from last week. If you had 75 workers on, that, uh, uh, on the assembly line and they were all working on installing door panels, well, you'd have hundreds of gar- cars coming off the assembly line with lots of door panels, but no engine. Lots of door panels, but, but no radio, no steering column, no wheels. See, God's provided his church to be made up of people with a diversity of gifts, a diversity of experiences, and that we, we would all be unified in Jesus Christ as we use those gifts to come together. But we have to learn to respect the different gifts that people have within the church. I, I need to learn to not think that I'm the expert of all the gifts in the church just because I'm a pastor. I'm not. In, in fact, my eyes have been opened in the last year to the ways that I need to learn more about other people's gifts. Right? See, God's provided his church to be made up with people who have a diversity of gifts that we might be able to work together toward unity in Jesus Christ, that we might work together and cooperate in one purpose. See, the assembly line workers, they don't show up to, to work to make different things. There's not some of them there to make cars, other than others of them to make golf clubs, and some others to make ice cream cones. They all come together to make a car, right? When, when Clayton joined us, when he was called to, to Trinity, we didn't call him to make cheeseburgers. We called him to partner in building up the unity of the church with his unique spiritual gifts, God gives gifts to every believer. He gives gifts to every believer and they're used in cooperation with one another. That's when we are more efficient. That's when we're more fruitful and effective when we learn to cooperate with other gifts together with one another for the good of the body of Christ. Look at verses six to eight of our passage. Paul says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. In prophecy, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts or encourages in his exhortations, in his encouragement, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with passion, with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Not, not begrudgingly, not like, uh all right, I'm going to go mow that person's lawn. no. With joy. We get to encourage one another. We get to serve one another. We get to do these things. And, and, and it's so important that we begin to identify, what is my gift that God has given me to offer back to the church? See, this, this list is not an exhaustive list. Paul writes about gifts elsewhere in, in the scriptures that we'll take a look at the, over the next couple of weeks as well. This list is not some ordering of gifts of which ones are most important or which ones are a priority, But there is something special about gifts when you consider them. Do you notice anything about these gifts? I do. See, when I think about those gifts, I think about the fact that there is always, always going to be someone on the receiving end of those gifts. See, we may talk about spiritual gifts in the abstract, that, that, that here are the, here's a list of gifts, or here's the church, and it's meant to build up the unity of the church. But spiritual gifts are not meant to be left in the abstract. They're very personal. The, the gifts can only be exercised within the, 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 the intimacy of the body of Christ. So that's one, one of the challenges to preaching to such a sparse room, to an empty room. See, my, my gift, the gift that God gave me in preaching was meant to be shared between me and all of you. This is a relational gift to be, to be expositing, bringing out the truth of God's word among us. And so I have to work hard to imagine you in my mind as I prepare to preach, uh, uh, to, to imagine where you might be sitting this morning. And so let me challenge you Close your eyes and imagine that you're actually here in the sanctuary. Think about the fact that that we're together in the Word of God. This is a challenge in the times we live in. But we want to make sure that we can continue to gather and worship the Lord together for a long time. And so we need to think about the deeper truths of these gifts. Yes, they are relational and our, our aim, our goal, is to exercise them in relationship with one another, and that will happen one day. But now, let's overcome these challenges by being creative with the gifts, to imagine where you're sitting in this empty room, to imagine that you're here with me, to remember your faces, to remember your expressions, Eric, to remember you when you doze off when I'm going kind of long with my sermon, to, to remember... Uh, uh, The the amens and and the the praise gods and and the moments where we nod our heads together, right? Our spiritual gifts are only exercised in relationship to other people in the body of Christ. We, We can't prophesy, we can't serve, we can't teach, we can't encourage, we can't practice generosity, we can't lead or be merciful without someone on the receiving end. And so this is... This is how we glorify God. This is how we introduce the world to his love. You know, we we sang about this idea of glorifying God. Glorifying God is when our lives reflect his. When when the world looks at us and they see something unique about us, that uniqueness is they see the, the image of God in us. They see the nature and the character of God reflected in us. And that happens when the church comes together to cooperate with our gifts that bears the fruit of love in our community. Jesus said this to his disciples in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have Love for one another. What greater way to show the world the love of God than by ex- exercising our spiritual gifts in community around the same purpose of building up the unity of the church, the, the body of Christ, building one another up in maturity, that we would all become more like Jesus, that we wouldn't say, well, too bad for them, they can't keep up, so we're going to leave them behind, but that we would wait upon all of us to come along, to be together to gather around the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm confident that as we are that church, the world will look to us and they'll see the the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ. And they too will be drawn to this free gift that God has offered them. So church, let's use the gifts that God's given us. Let's exercise the spiritual gifts that God's given us. Let's entrust him to empower us to to sharpen those gifts, to to use them towards his end and for his glory. This is something for us to keep in mind. There's someone in the church that needs you to proclaim the truth that God has given us in his word. There's someone in the church that that needs to hear the promises of God for them today. There's someone who can benefit from you teaching them about Jesus showing them how Jesus works in people's lives. There there is someone who can benefit from the encouragement that you can offer them this morning. There's someone who needs to be served. There's someone who can benefit from the generosity that God has enabled in you because of the ways that he's blessed you. Just just think, what could our community look like if we concerned ourselves a little less with politics or social media and a little bit more with focusing on the exercising of the gifts that God has given us to use for the glory of his kingdom, for the unity of his church, and as we gather together around the unity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't worry about what gifts you don't have. Don't, don't think more highly of the gifts that someone else has or belittle the gifts of others. Don't think more highly of, of other people's gifts and, and less of the gift that you have. Focus your attention on identifying the gift that God has given you and let him grow your experience with you as you build up the body of Christ. We're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks as well and explore more spiritual gifts. You see some listed here in this passage you see some listed in Ephesians 4 last week when we, when we studied Ephesians 4. Those are great places to go to begin to explore what gifts are available to us, but neither of those lists in themselves are exhaustive. You know, I, I want to challenge you. Join Clayton and I on this week's TBC Provoke podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more about these gifts and how we can discover what our spiritual gift is and how we can grow in that knowledge and allow God to use it for his glory. So join us on the the TVC Provoked podcast. Keep talking with one another about it. Maybe there's someone you can connect with on the, the discussion thread. Talk about it around the dinner table. Have that conversation with God. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, I am confident that you have a spiritual gift that he's inviting you to use today. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you you would invite us to to come alongside you and be used in the the building up of your kingdom. Lord, uh, forgive us when we look at our own lives and we don't think highly enough of ourselves to think that you would use us. But Lord, I pray that that would not stop you from using us for your glory. Help us, give us clarity, Lord, this week. That, that we wouldn't just say, oh, I don't know what spiritual gift I have. But that we would spend time in your word, exploring the, the spiritual gifts. That we would ask you, Lord, that we would look back on the experiences of our lives. That we would identify what gift we most resonate with and just begin to practice it. To see what you are doing. Give us courage, Lord, to do that. And Lord, we will be thankful as your people experience unity in the, Christ, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we will glorify you, Lord, and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thumbs up from the booth.
1: Who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the stream of a life, let the pain and the sorrow.
3: I just have a couple announcements. First, we wanna say congratulations and welcome to Ray Miller. He was born to Cheryl and Kent Miller uh, this past week and to Big Sister Madison. We ask that you just keep them in your prayers because we know that there'll be fun dynamics in the house now that there are two kids. We know that very well. So thank you for keeping them in your prayer. Secondly, um, we're gonna have a parade today for baby Ruby Russell, (laughs) and we're gonna do that in the back parking lot to help welcome Ruby and to celebrate with Kimby and Robert. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna line up today at 3.30, this is after the prayer meeting that happens at two o'clock today. So you're gonna line up in the back parking lot, you'll see balloons as the starting line and we'll be there. So make welcome signs, You know, get some balloons, make whatever you want to welcome baby Ruby. We're gonna do three laps around the parking lot uh, waving. And again, we just ask that you stay in your car during the parade and that you have your masks handy in your car for safety. So thank you. And so we'll see you at 3.30 and the parade will start at 3.45. And thirdly, we're so thankful um, for the ways that you're continuing to give to the church. And you can still do that. And so you can do that by contributing online on the app, text. Or send your mail, uh, check in the mail here at the church, because I still check the mail every week with Miss Lynn. So thank you guys so much, and it's good to see you.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: she's beautiful. Well, everyone, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for worshiping the Lord and, and finding uh, rest in Him. And I pray that you do. I find, that, I, I find for myself it's good to have a place in our week, where we just rest. The elders reminded me that, of that this past week when we met together. And so uh, just ask that you would go from here and be the church. Use your gifts. Enjoy the time that God has given you. Trust that he has called you to a purpose. And we will look forward to being together again when we gather to worship next week. Now receive and be sent with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.